This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to another edition of the Penscast Mailbag here at the Skating Penguin Network. I am Garrett Bahanna. Joined by me is the fellow contributing writer over at Pensburg.com and one of the co-hosts here at the Skating Penguin Network. It is Robbie Noggle. And joining me as well to complete this trifecta is the second co-host here at the Skating Penguin Network. It is Snail. And uh, fellas, we're putting out another mailbag in our typical regular tuesday time slot compared to what we were doing last week uh but we are back we still have 11 questions this week to answer we have questions from two different brian's and a newcomer by the name of jace who i don't recognize i don't know if he has submitted prior questions to the mailbag but let's get the mailbag underway question number one will go to robbie question number two will go to snail i will take question number three and we will rotate like that until the mailbag is complete question number one for you Robbie comes from Brian and it's a very timely topic talking about uh unrestricted free agent forward Thomas Tatar Robbie straight up do you think Thomas Tatar will sign with the Pittsburgh Penguins because it's been confirmed that he has at least had talks with Kyle Dubas based on what we know I'm gonna put the odds here at at least 50%, maybe even a, a bit higher. Uh, Rob Rossi chimed in uh, over the weekend, kind of clarifying um, that he did in fact confirm that he was talking, Thomas Tatar was talking with the Penguins, uh, but it really could come down to whether or not another team offers him a guaranteed contract, as opposed to maybe the Penguins offering, offering him a uh, PTO for training camp with the guarantee that he is uh, going to be getting a contract a season contract after that. So um, yeah, I guess just getting a contract from the team straight out does offer a a little more uh, guarantees, but um, I think based on everything we've heard, I would put it at maybe slightly above 50% uh, of him coming uh, to Pittsburgh. A lot can still happen between now and uh, when these deals get signed. So um, overall though, I think that, uh, things are trending in a positive direction on the Thomas Tatar front. Um, he kind of like, they asked him about it. He, again, this was a translated interview from a uh, outlet in the Czech Republic where Thomas Tatar is from. And he was kind of like, yeah, I've talked to him, but I don't want to jinx anything. But, uh, and Rossi kind of um, confirmed everything and where it stands. So um, I think as of right now, I would say that yes, he will be in Pittsburgh. Uh, Again, a lot can uh, change between now and when a deal is signed. So uh, fingers crossed, but we talked about this on a past episode. Uh, Tatar would be a heck of an 
a heck of an addition uh, to this lineup if they can get him um, in a Penguins jersey, get the money right, um, because he adds a lot of middle middle depth uh, of the lineup depth. He can move up and down the roster, and he really, most importantly, helps out that bottom six. Uh, question number two from Brian, uh, who is here again to give us some terrible food opinions. Uh, Brian says, I got to say this, uh, he has snails back when it comes to pineapple on pizza, but his other food takes are crazy, but uh, he does support wrongly the pineapple on pizza take. You know, as former question asker here, you know, we got to have each other's back from time to time. So I really appreciate this. Um, I think, you know, I was thinking about this, this whole, this like pineapple gate that we had on last, uh, last week's podcast. Do you guys is there a bias maybe like over because you guys are on the East coast, right? So like on the East coast, do you guys take your pizza like way more seriously you think than like we do out here on the West coast? I would tend to agree with that, but like I have no evidence to back that. Uh, I back that up. Chicago is known for their pizza. New York is known for their pizza. I mean, I mean, Chicago isn't East coast. It's Midwest. New York is, I would consider New York East coast, but Outside of that, I have no other evidence to to say that I take. I mean, I I love pizza, so I will defend my pizza toppings <laughs> until the day I die. But I mean, I can't speak for Robbie and his love for pizza. Although I do know he likes pizza, I don't know if I would classify it as taking it more seriously. You know, I was thinking, you know, maybe is there is there more Italians on the East Coast? I don't know. I don't have the data on that, but. In my own, in my mind, I, I've had this assumption that maybe the, that the East Coast takes their pizza a little bit more, more seriously. And when you mentioned Chicago, I can't imagine pineapple on a pizza in Chicago. I feel like they'd run you out of town for that. Anyways, I will move off of this. I appreciate it, Brian, having my back like that. You know, um, I will defend the holy trinity of spice, a little bit of sweetness, and Brian on a on a slice of pizza. Um, one thing I did notice, there's no, you didn't ask a food question, uh, this week. And, uh, you know, I have accepted the role as the gesture on this podcast when it comes to food takes. Um, that's a role I'm willing to fill. It's like every successful team, they need their, their superstars that carry the team at times. They need those responsible depth role players that play an integral part in getting dubs. That is me with the food takes. So I'm actually, I'm going to shoot from the hip here and I'm going to present a food question to, uh, Garrett, Robbie. And I also want Brian to, uh, to uh, add us on Twitter or X or whatever you call it and uh, let us know what you think. So um, we've all, we all go to the movies from time to time, right? Now that COVID's kind of, I mean, COVID is not over. I don't want to get into that, but uh, you know, the COVID lockdowns have lifted. People are going back to movie theaters. What are we getting at the movie theaters? I will go first because my answer will be short and sweet. Maybe I get pop. Maybe like I, maybe I'll spend the money on pop, but I, Given the fact that I'm already spending like $15 on a movie ticket, odds are I'm probably eating out beforehand and I'm, I refuse to spend even more money inside the movie theater. If it's like a two and a half or three hour movie, I'll probably get thirsty. So that's where the pop comes in. But uh, I, uh, I, I'm not also another thing regarding movie theaters. Uh, I haven't been in a movie theater since 2019 and uh, I rarely go to movie theaters, but I'm not that big of a snack person while I'm eating, uh, while I'm watching movies. Like I'll eat popcorn if you put it in front of me, 
but you know some people are getting the, the chocolate and popcorn and swedish fish and skittles and all that i don't need all that stuff um that's the last thing i need to put in my body considering all the other unhealthy stuff that i put in my body um but hey that's that's just me i'm cost effective when i go to the movie theater robbie how do you spend your money at the movie theater so i'm uh, basically a traditionalist as well when it comes to movie theater snacks that is popcorn and a soda that's basically what i am now i will say last summer uh we were traveling um, on a vacation we did get a chance to go to an alamo draft house and again they have like a full menu and it's a great experience i will say um i don't have that option around here and again draft houses uh, are not that common around here the closest one to me here in johnstown i believe is like uh dc uh if i'm if uh, if I remember correctly, last time I looked, um, but no, we are. Yeah, I'm generally a just traditionalist popcorn soda. Um, nothing fancy for me. Uh, it's just not. It's just. I mean, I paid so much for a movie uh, that you know the snacks are going to be uh, expensive to begin with. So I stick with just the traditional uh, offerings of popcorn and a soda. What, I'm going to go further here and ask uh, Garrett and Robbie, what kind of sodas do you guys get? If you're going to sit through a two and a half hour or two hour movie, what what's, what size soda are you getting and what kind of soda? I love... See, it's, it's hard. Now that you put me on the spot like that, I was the first thing that was going to come out of my mouth is Dr. Pepper. I love Dr. Pepper. And how I'm, I'm kind of finicky when it comes to my pop because I like Sprite. But this is wholly unrelated to this conversation. I will only get Sprite from McDonald's because I don't know if, whether it's rational or irrational, but I feel like Sprite, you can only get the best, the crispest Sprite uh, from the McDonald's soda dispenser. So, but my go-to number one, if it's available, is always Dr. Pepper. I vary, actually. I don't really have a consistent. Um, I'm mostly Coke, uh, just a standard Coke. But I, I do love a good Dr. Pepper uh, now and again as well. But those are my two. And if it's a, there are some places that have it, some places don't. Um, I'm a huge, huge, I will die on this hill of Barks Root Beer. And if that is there, that is generally my number one, but not every place has that. But so mostly if I'm having to pick, it's between Coke and Dr. Pepper. I love a Dr. Pepper as well. If I'm going to the movies, I'm getting popcorn with no butter on it and a pib extra <clears throat> every oh, time. Okay. Yeah. Nothing too egregious there, right? Everything. No. no, everything's good there. I put butter on mine, but not, that's not, I mean, you're a vegan, so you have to, yeah, it's a little different for you, but neither here nor there. It's a little different, but yeah, kind of same thing. Also, um, AMC Lowe's theaters. I don't know if you guys have, the, I'm, I'm assuming you guys have those out there. Yeah, we have some AMCs around. So yeah, they have these like little um, allergen-free chocolate chip cookies that come in a box. I'll get those, a popcorn, and a pib extra. So, um, anyways, uh, Brian, I need we need you to keep asking these food questions. Um, don't you know? Uh, it causes some turmoil, but it's all it's all for content. So, uh, you know, I need you to ask food the hard-hitting food questions with your chest out and with impunity. All right, uh, question three from Brian. Uh, having the luck we have with injuries every year, does it concern you with? Carlson's injury history. I feel like the, the the thing with Carlson, I mean, you have to take it into consideration every season we're talking about the Penguins because the injury bug, it seems like the Penguins are the most cursed team when it comes to injuries. So, you know, when talking about 
Eric Carlson. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely he's definitely dealt with the injury bug while in San Jose. But look, I'm still riding that Eric Carlson high, uh, and I will continue to ride the Carlson high well into the season. Um, yeah, he is 33. He's he's certainly I think I described him as no spring chicken, but um, I'm I'm going to ride into this season. I'm going to ride into October, November, December, and I'm not really going to focus on the injuries. I feel like the injuries they'll pop up from time to time. Uh, I know Crosby and Malkin were relatively healthy all throughout the last regular season, so you know let let's keep hoping and praying that the injury bug stays away and that the Penguins can turn their bad luck into some good luck and get back into the postseason hunt. But for right now, as I sit here on August 14th, no, I, I, I don't have any concerns. Eric Carlson, to me, from his press conferences and whatnot, seems very healthy, very excited, very eager to get into the black and gold. And for the time being, I am going to carry a similar mindset. Question number four comes from Brian. Uh, this is this could this could be a, a group related question here. It was originally intended for Robbie, but if we want to open it up, we definitely could. If you could buy a concert ticket to any show in history, who would you want to see? So, Robbie, I guess we'll start with you. Queen. Um, that was the first name that popped in my head. Uh, they would be at their peak. They would have been fantastic to see live. Um, and I'm a huge Queen fan as well, so. Uh, it all works out there. Um, I mean, I feel like that ones that you can still get tickets to. Um, I don't really qualify for this answer, but maybe I mean, you can pick whoever you want. Um, but no, Queen would be my number one, uh, just because I think they're phenomenal. Again, one of the uh, the great British rock bands of all time. Maybe from a cultural aspect, just seeing the Beatles live would have been uh, pretty astonishing. I mean, just if you watch videos of them back in the 60s and 70s, the cultural mania uh, that they caused would have been um, absolutely just incredible to see uh, in person. So those would probably be my two. Uh, there's artists playing today that I'd love to see in concert, but I figure as long as I can still get a chance to see them, I'll hold off on mentioning them. But um, I'll pass it on to you guys then because um, there's plenty of answers here, uh, depending all on your taste in music. Um, so go ahead. So I actually, I was kind of thinking about this as, as Robbie was talking and uh, I've actually seen like most of the bands on my like quote unquote bucket list, I guess, if you want to call it that um, I've been, I've actually been fortunate enough to score tickets or go to music festivals where I've seen some of the bigger, more mainstream acts and then also been able to, uh, Seattle's a pretty good spot for live music. A lot of bands, uh, small and large tour out here. So I've actually managed to nab tickets and see some of the smaller, uh, smaller bands that I love. Um, but, uh, just to answer this question there, there is a band I actually never have seen that they are no longer, they are on an indefinite hiatus and they are called title fight. They're actually from Wilkes-Barre, uh, uh, Pennsylvania. I've seen a reincarnation of them. It's like got a couple of the members in it. They're in a band now called Glitterer. So I've seen them. Um, but yeah, it would have to be Title Fight. Um, they're the probably the one, they're probably my favorite band. And I actually, uh, they kind of disbanded uh, before I was ever really t able to, to get a ticket to them out here. For me, as I close up, we'll close up the conversation on this question. Robbie mentioned the Beatles, and I think for all the reasons he mentioned, the Beatles would be the same reason why 
I mean, I, I love various genres. I have made my my musical tastes known on this podcast before. I, I love a good guitar-centric sound and a guitar-centric band. And I'm not saying the Beatles relied solely on the guitar, but more so from a cultural aspect, like Robbie was describing, Beatlemania in its height when they came over to America in the uh, early to mid-60s, that would have been something to witness firsthand that I'd love to get a time machine and just go back. I was having a conversation with my coworker a couple of days ago talking about Taylor Swift. You know, what we're seeing now with Taylor Swift and the money that she's generating for these local economies, for all of these massive stadium show, shows that she's doing, I said it's, like, it's Beatles-esque what she is able to do, the audience that she is able to to cultivate wherever she goes on this planet. And, you know, you could make the argument that you we haven't seen something like this in the music industry since the Beatles and Beatlemania. But anyway, anyway, I digress from that. I'm no musical historian. Uh, I just thought I'd offer that up. But yeah, definitely for me, it would be the Beatles. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where if I had a time machine, I'd go back and, and see them. Question number five from Brian. We're sh- uh, shifting back to Snell here. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, the Q, as it's better known, banning fights, fighting starting this upcoming season? Yeah, I do have some thoughts on this. And uh, I feel like it's uh, it could be fortunate, it could be unfortunate that I am uh, posed with this question because sometimes regarding the whole fighting, not only in juniors, but in the NHL, I can become old man yelling at clouds. Um, But I'll keep it short and sweet. So essentially like, of course this was coming. I think Um, at some point I, this was, I think it's going to start in the junior ranks and whether we see it in the NHL at some point, I, I, I think the jury's still out on that. Um, but I must emphasize, I think that there is a place in hockey for fighting. Uh, you can call me a dinosaur if you want. Um, I still believe there's a place for it in the game. I'll never be convinced otherwise. Let's just say that. Um, it's such a fast and high impact sport. Uh, there's always going to be dirty players or rats that sort of toe that line out there running around with intent to injure. Um, I just think that the game needs to be able to police itself. It's a part of hockey. It dis- it dis- it displays this quality of competition that I feel is maybe sort of fading a little bit in this day and age, and that would be heart. Um, I think to be a, a great hockey player, you must embrace like all that kind of comes with with hockey, and that includes physicality. And now physicality can can mean a couple of things. And now I'm saying. When I say physicality, I uh, I don't necessarily mean that they have to fight, but they have to embrace that there is a price to pay for certain actions. It's called answering the bell. We've all heard it. Again, just embracing all that comes with hockey. I feel like kids these days, they love scoring the goals and hitting the gwitty to Selly. Um, but hear me out. Sometimes when I'm watching these games, I feel like, you know, I could I could fire some shots at maybe some players or some other teams that kind of have these types of players on them, but I won't. It feels like I'm watching like these, these athletes play hockey and there's a difference between athletes who play hockey and and a hockey player and you know when i say a hockey player that's somebody that really embraces the game of hockey and all that comes with it in all of its aspects so back to your question my thoughts are again i'm not really super surprised i think one of the big things that has kind of led to this decision in the queue 
for me, it's just the age. You have 16 year olds all the way up to 20. And I believe you can be 21 if I'm not mistaken. You guys can correct me on that. But I think it's 16 to 20. Uh, the difference between a 16 year old and a 20 or a 21 year old, that's pretty big. And I, I know it's the same and it's sort of the same in the dub and in the OHL. But that's like you could have a kid fighting somebody who's already filled out into their frame and it's a, and, and they look more like a man, you know. So I think that that it's just not safe. It's a little bit too young. Um, so I can see it from that angle as to why um, they made that decision. Um, just to touch lightly. So in the NCAA, we know that there's like not really fighting. They wear, wear full cages. They get a five minute misconduct and then a match penalty as well for fighting. Uh, in the OHL, I believe they have a rule where if they fight a certain amount of times in a season, they get suspended. And actually, just recently, the WHL commissioner, um, uh, he made a he came out with a, a statement uh following the Q's announcement uh for this banning of fighting and he flat out said that they will not be changing their fighting policy so i don't think this is something that we're gonna see kind of have a domino effect but it's definitely one of the first shoes to drop and they're you know they're taking into consideration probably the the cte and uh just the overall like you don't really need 16 16 year old kids having to go out there and worry about anything other than hockey so those are my takes. I would be curious uh, for either of you, if you have an opinion, I would invite you to chime in on what you think about this. I think it's the right move. My opinion has always been uh, I'm not tuning into a hockey game to watch whether it's a teenager or a grown man. I'm, I'm not tuning in for a Suedo boxing match on ice. That's never what I tuned in to watch the sport for. And that's really the same mentality that I'll, I'll carry now. I know a lot of older people will say that the violence aspect of hockey and the fighting is part of what differentiates itself from the NFL, MLB, NBA, whatever. You win and lose hockey games based on goals scored, not punches thrown. That's the, the attitude that I've held really for as long as I've been watching the game. I, I don't care for fighting. Uh, I think it's uh, meaningless really at this point. This isn't the 1980s anymore. We know more about CTE and head injuries and concussions. Call me overprotective or call me woke or whatever. I, I don't care what you call me. But even if we have differing opinions on this podcast, I mean, I will respect your opinion on fighting, whether you like it or not. But yeah, that, that's just how I view it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any general opinion on it i think at the end of the day it is kind of going by the wayside anyway you don't see it much in the nhl anymore outside of the few rare ever ever rare instances and i I mean the kids i mean do you need them bashing themselves in the head at this age at between the ages like 15 and 18 probably not um I mean, people made a big stink about a lot of youth soccer leagues here in the United States ban heading to a certain age. There was a huge uproar about that. Now nobody cares. It hasn't changed um, overall the ability to do it once they got older and up through the ranks. So, I mean, overall, I think they're going to complain about it now, but in two to three years, you'll completely forget about it and you won't even notice it. Fair enough. Like Garrett said, I think we all got some differing opinions, but it's all respect here. So, um, so yeah, those are kind of the general thoughts on the Q banning the fighting. I'm going to go to question six here from Brian. Um, 
If you could add one chain restaurant to your area, what would it be? Uh, Brian loves Shake Shack. So where I'm located, where I live, is a tiny, tiny, tiny town in the Mon. It's called the Mon Valley area, about uh, 45 minutes south of Pittsburgh, and uh, it's a it's a pretty much what you would think of as a rural, pretty rural area. Um, there's one thing, one restaurant that I want within like a 15, 10 to 15 minute drive from my house, and it's Chick Fil A. Um, there's a, a Chick-fil-A probably within 25, 30 minutes of where I live, maybe 20 minutes, depending on if you're speeding or not. But if I could, if you're, if anyone listening to this podcast is familiar with the Mon Valley and you're familiar with Charleroi, Bel, that Bel, Belburn in that area, Manesson, Monongahela, if we could get a Chick-fil-A like in Belvernon, that would be maybe like replace the Long John Silvers. Nobody eats at Long John Silvers anymore. Replace that with a Chick-fil-A and that would be incredibly hazardous to my health because I would just devour all the chicken in that restaurant. But uh, that would be that would be my go to chain restaurant to have in my locale. Robbie, what about you? Yeah, I kind of got to agree with the Chick-fil-A too. Again, I live in a smaller town where we don't have, I mean, we have a decent amount of chain restaurants, but it's mostly your McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, your big name, your big name ones. We are getting the Chipotle that's being currently built right now. So uh, that's exciting. But um, I stand on the opinion that Chipotle is um, slightly overrated, maybe not slightly maybe just overrated i agree i I agree yeah i think that like you can get we have authentic mexican places here in town that i can get a much better burrito at for much better burrito chips and queso for a much like if not cheaper right around the same price that i'd rather spend my money on and if i'm really desperate for a a a fast food burrito i will put um at least in terms of quality i will put uh, sheets Mexican burrito up there uh, with just about anyone. I think it is just as good. I don't, I want to say it might still be uh, for what you get from sheets uh, and for snail sheets is like a big gas station chain in on the East coast, but it's primarily based out of Western Pennsylvania. Uh, they do like fat, like touchscreen fast food, like you go in and order, but um I would put theirs up. It's completely acceptable. And I just find Chipotle to be it's acceptable food. I just don't think it's worth the price. I would much rather spend my money at an authentic uh, Mexican place to get like a real burrito that has real ingredients. And it's just, um, it's just in my opinion better. So, um, but if I had to pick, I'd say Ch- or Chick-fil-A. Um, I, I am a Chick-fil-A stan. I love their grilled chicken. It is absolutely phenomenal. That is what I always get. I know a lot of people probably just get their standard chicken sandwich, the breaded. I love their grill. I love I love grilled chicken to begin with, but their grilled chicken is phenomenal. So, um, yeah, I would say Chick Fil A um, if I had to pick one. Sorry, Brian, you did ask a food question um, this week. Uh, if I could add one chain restaurant to my area, I'm curious what you guys know about A and W. Um, the I've heard of it. Like I've seen them before. I've never eaten at one though. Yeah, me neither. Okay, so uh, you got to hear me out here. So there's two A and Ws, um, and I actually, 
uh, not a big deal. Had a quick back and forth with uh, NHL analyst and host Kevin Weeks. He recently posted a photo of him getting a bag of A&W, uh, what I presume to be burgers and fries in there. And uh, we have A&W over here in the States and it's not, it's not good. There, there's not a lot of them and it's for good reason. They suck here. But if I, I, I if I could have one chain restaurant in my area, I want the Canadian A&W. There's a, a, an A&W on the Sea to Sky Highway in BC over here on the West Coast uh, up in Canada. And uh, whenever I would go across the border, uh, we stopped there kind of ritually. And uh, there's just something different about it. You go in there, they give you if you're getting a drink, they give it to you in a, in a frosted, frozen, icy mug, whether you're getting their root beer or another beverage of your choice. And uh, they actually have, you know, uh, a couple couple vegan options on their menu. Not great. You know, I'm not going to fast food establishments for my health. I'm going there for convenience and uh, that quick serotonin boost that comes with all that sodium. So I would add A&W, but the Canadian one. All right. Question number seven goes to Robbie. This comes from Brian. I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on recent reports about if Austin Matthews hits free agency, that he may realign himself with Kyle Dubas. If that somehow happens, and Brian just says, dot, 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 wow. I mean, he pulled off Carlson. I'd, I, I don't know how he could do it. I, I mean, it would take a... Obviously, not bringing Jake Kensel back would be uh, the first bit of needs to happen there. And then a pay decrease from Matthews himself. I mean, impossible. I mean, we thought Eric Carlson was impossible too, like less than six months ago. And now he's a Pittsburgh Penguin. So um, don't say anything's impossible, but it would take an awful lot of uh, – an awful lot of – creativity to make it happen in Pittsburgh. There would have to be trades going out where the return is basically picks whoever, whatever it is. Um, now, again, you're getting, if you get Gensel off the books, again, this would have to be without Gensel coming back. And I mean, Jeff Carter coming off the books uh, as well. Um, but I just don't see uh, where it's happening. I guess you could feasibly re-sign Jake Gensel and trade Ricard Raquel, uh, but it would take a lot of ingenuity and creativity. So you never say never. Um, I just don't, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't think he's leaving Toronto um, unless he gets completely blown away by an offer somewhere else. Toronto would be absolutely stupid to let that happen. I think they have to do everything they can to sign him, but Hey, if it happens, that's fantastic. It's just, yeah, best of luck making that work. And he would be obviously awesome in this lineup. It's just, it's just, I, yeah, the money right now doesn't work, uh, but we'll see how it goes. You never say never. Uh, question number eight. This one is specifically directed towards Snail. Uh, it's from Brian. He said, Snail, have you ever been to Pittsburgh? If not, is that something you wish to do? Have not been to Pittsburgh yet. Um, in fact, I've never even touched down on the East Coast. I've been uh, quite a few places in this country and never touched down there. I've skipped right over it, over to Europe. Uh, um, but yeah, I do I do intend on visiting Pittsburgh. It's on my 
my bucket list. I have family in Pittsburgh, not in, or not in Pittsburgh. I have family in Pennsylvania, not in Pittsburgh. Uh, they've come out here to visit us, but I've never been over there in Birdsboro, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I think since COVID, the idea of travel just hasn't really been on my radar. I've kind of become like quite the homebody actually since COVID. Um, uh, but my partner and I both want to check out the East Coast and selfishly, I have Pittsburgh, you know, circled uh would love to go over there maybe meet my my co-hosts you know ha- holler yins at each other have a few yinglings maybe catch a game what do you guys say no thank you i want nothing to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah no i i do have uh i have pittsburgh uh circled on my on my bucket list of places to go and uh, hope to make that happen uh sooner than later um Let's see. Let's go question nine here. This is from Brian, but I believe this is from a different Brian. This is from Brian the Lion. He would be interested in hearing what each of our favorite hobbies is non-penguin related. All right. We got Brian's, Lions, and Bears. Oh, my. We'll start with, well, I guess this was my question, and then we'll go around the table again. Uh, What are my hobbies? Well, quite simply, I love playing video games. I am am a 25-year-old geek. And, you know, I spend my free time when I'm not working or recording podcasts or writing. I am playing either my PlayStation or my PC. Uh, That's what I'm doing. You know, I'm not really, as I've gotten older, I've found myself watching less and less TV and movies. I love Star Wars, so I'm a big Star Wars nerd. So I basically consume any sort of Star Wars content on TV, in the theater or Disney Plus. But yeah, I think I'm relatively simple when it comes to non-hockey or non-penguins related things I like to do just sit me down in front of a tv with a playstation and I could go for eight to ten hours a day but uh that is that's basically all I like to do uh I guess we'll we'll shift it over to Robbie and then we'll shift it over to Snail uh very similar to uh Garrett uh with the video games I do enjoy gaming um uh, occasionally I get in the mood for um this is more recent. This is more in like the last couple of years, uh, building uh, massive Lego sets. And we're talking like, not like your small ones that you have little kids, but like the major, uh, major big ones. Actually earlier this year, I completed the Roman Coliseum, which was at one point their biggest set it is no longer. It's like their second or third biggest set. Now um, I've completed both. Uh, they have two friends, the shows show friends, uh, scenes from that show. Uh, what, uh, my brother has the Titanic, which is a, a one of their massive ones um, as well. So I enjoy that. Um, I'm getting, I'll be buying a, hopefully a new one here before the end of the year uh, to work on over Christmas when I'm off work. Um, but yeah, non-Penguins related. It's basically video games, uh, doing some Legos and watching other sports, I guess, if that counts as well. I'm a big sports guy, and I love uh, tuning in to see what else is going on either uh, around the United States or uh, even the rest of the world as well. So it's uh, I've been I'm 31 now, and I've been skating skateboarding since I was like 13, going on 14. I dedicated a large portion of my youth to it. Um, that's you know I make a point to do it every week, uh, you know weather permitting. So I mean, it, skateboarding. I also you know I really. I like to play video games as well. You can catch me on Chell or playing Fortnite. 
I like going. I, I'll say I still like going to shows. You know, especially I'm a little more selective on on who I like to go see when they come through town. Um, cooking. You know, I got four pets that take a lot of time and energy at home, so that's what I'm doing. All right. Question number ten. I believe this goes to Robbie if the order is still correct. Question number ten will go back to OG Brian. There are a lot of big names potentially becoming free agents after this upcoming season. Other than keeping Drake Gensel, is there one or two potential names you'd like to see in Pittsburgh in 2024? Only the good players. Exactly. That's the that's the um, one. <laughs> so I'm going to take Austin Matthews out of this equation because again, we just talked about him. He's already uh, coming. Yeah, he's already. Yeah, he's actually already like he has the the contract's been drawn up. He's just going to play out uh, this year in Toronto and then come to uh, Pittsburgh. Um, some names just to look at, like Steven Stamkos, never leaving Toronto or Tampa Bay. Um, Elias Pettersson, Vancouver will sign him. William now William Nylander is an interesting one. Uh, maybe rehooking up with Dubis in Pittsburgh. So uh, an, an an interesting name, but more. Uh, maybe um, rational choices here. Um, the guys that can help out uh, in different, different parts of the lineup. Tyler Bertuzzi only signed a one year deal. I know he was talked about this, this pass off season uh, as possibly a, a, an option for the Penguins. that didn't happen, but Hey, a one year deal and depending on how it works in Toronto, um, maybe he doesn't perform up to expectations and he comes in a little cheaper next year, or if not, um, the Penguins just take um, clear out some space and get him. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau um, is a re- unrestricted free agent next summer. Noah Hannafin, his name bounced around a couple times to the Penguins this year. I think he's going to be well-priced out of the Penguins range. But like I said before, never say never. Uh, just looking at some other names here real quick um, that could help out the Penguins. Maybe like a Victor, a Victor Ardvidsson. Uh, who is currently with the Los Angeles Kings, but will be an unrestricted free agent next year. Um, again, it's a lot's going to depend all on what the Penguins need next year, where everything stands. You know, at the very least, you're going to have that top four on the blue line is likely going to be um, be intact next year. So you have Latang, Carlson, Graves, and Pedersen for uh, an extended period of time. And depending on how Pierre-Olivier Joseph works out, maybe they extend him. Um, and keep him in Pittsburgh a little longer term. So I think really you're looking mostly at forwards, uh, maybe like an Adam Henrique, if he still has anything left in the tank, he was talked about as a possible trade option uh, for the Penguins uh, last uh, last year. And uh, a name that I've always been interested in that if he could, how he would fit in Pittsburgh, uh, Jacob Vrana, who used to play for the Capitals and has kind of bounced around a little since then. Uh, he's been he's a he's a fast player. He doesn't score a ton, but in that bottom six, I think he could definitely uh, give you some depth. So yeah, a bunch of names sitting out there for next year. Outside of like the obvious blockbusters, Matthews, Patterson, Nylander. Again, don't not sold to any of those guys. Are going to leave their their current teams, um, especially guys like. Uh, Stamkos. Stamkos isn't leaving Toronto. He's the cap or Tampa Bay. He's the captain. He's already he'll be 35 by the time he's a free agent. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Pedersen probably not going anywhere. But hey, never say never with any of them guys. So there's going to be plenty of options out there uh, to retool and uh, take another run next year. 
Last but not least, question number 11 uh, comes from Jace, who we believe is uh, this is his first time contributing uh, to the Pens, uh, the Pens cast. So, Jace, we thank you for that. Um, his question, which will go to Snell to wrap us up here. What do you believe has been the most underrated move Cal Dubas has made this offseason? Um, the most underrated move by Dubas, I kind of toiled with this a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think maybe getting, getting a Drew O'Connor um, – we talk about him. I feel like, or maybe it's just me. I feel like I talk about him a lot on here, and I, I, I wanted to kind of move away from that. Yes, Doc is a is a is a potentially a promising young player, and they got him at a pretty uh, fair contract. I think it was like nine hundred, nine hundred thousand something. Um, I that you know, that could be the underrated move. Another one I wanted to bring up was uh, uh they they brought back. I believe they brought back Radim Zahorna. Did they not? Yes. Okay, so I this is a Horna guy. I really liked him. Scored on his very first shot. Um, he's like I think he's like six six, super fast, um, good hands. I think he's a. I think just I didn't want to see this guy go. I was like I think this guy needs a chance. If we he could have been perfect on like a scoring third line. I thought um, the only thing is he would he hasn't really gotten an extended look in the NHL by the Penguins or the I think he's played for Toronto as well as uh, as Calgary. Um, uh, getting him back, I think he could be a solid depth piece. Uh, maybe keep an eye out for Zahorna to to get back in the lineup in a depth role. Um, as far as that goes, as far as your question, Jace, uh, those are the two that kind of came to mind, and I thought were maybe worth mentioning. It's kind of, you know, with the EK trade, everything's kind of just cast in the shadows from that. So, I hope that kind of answers your question. I'd be curious to you guys. Do you guys have one that came to mind more so than than Doc or, or Zahorna? Underrated. Um, uh, I mean, he signed a lot of he signed a lot of third, fourth line guys. I, I mean, he really he really reconstructed the entire bottom six, and I think the bottom six will be there will be a lot more of an emphasis on defense this season. But I mean, I can't sit here and tell you that I'm an expert on Andreas Johansson or Lars Eller or Matt Nieto or you know those kinds of players. Um, there really weren't. I mean, I don't. I, I could be wrong. There really wasn't an underrated move that Kyle Dubas had to make. He the, the big splash was not underrated. Uh, Eric Carlson is not underrated. What else? He signed Tristan Jari. I mean, that was probably the best bet you were going to get on the goaltending market. So as far as underrated goes. You know what? Come back to me in about two or three months and ask that question again, and maybe I will have a a better, more defined answer for you. Maybe it's a Chari, actually. You know, that's a that's a dude who plays the right way, and, and he's he's going to be probably a, a fourth line center. Um, he was, I think, he was one of the first moves that Dubas made, and uh, we all know that I think Dubas signed him at the deadline last last season, uh, or not signed him, traded traded for him. Um, and then signed him this off season. I think that that's a, that guy will be a key piece, you know, on the penalty kill. Um, but, but like Garrett said, you know, check in in a few months and I think it'll be more so clear as to who the underrated signing will be. 
All righty, a shorter mailbag this week, 11 questions, but we got through them all thanks to both Robbie and Snail for their contributions this week. If you would like to contribute to further editions of the mailbag here at the Skating Penguin Network, you can do so by following us on Twitter or X or whatever it'll be called this time next week. Uh, we are at Penguins, FFSN on Twitter, X or whatever it is. And every week we will send out a post asking for your questions in these mailbag episodes. So uh, thank you again to Jace, who I believe, like Robbie said, was a new question asker this week. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to Brian the Lion, two different Brians this week making up the mailbag. Uh, but for Snail and Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to the Skating Penguin Network, and we will talk to all of you again this time next week.